0: Welcome to Cathedral Talk, a podcast about architecture and Minecraft, where we converse to save Notre Dame. Describe to us how your Roomba works. Uh, how my Roomba works? Yes.
1: It's, well, is it different than other Roombas? Can you hear
0: the Roomba? No, but you once described that it does a pretty thorough job of hitting every corner of your house, and I've never seen a Roomba in action. How does this work?
1: Uh, well, it's a little robot. Robot? You heard him. You heard him. Robot. Ours isn't actually from iRobot, which is the maker of Roomba. Ours is not a Roomba. You're using it as a, um... Like a Kleenex, like brand name to does, describe the whole thing. Does
0: the, ro- does the Roomba have programmed into it Asimov's laws of robotics?
1: It better not. Those All those stories are about how those laws don't actually work in practice.
2: Oh. And mostly have to do with murdering.
1: Yeah. So I strap a little knife to the top of it and I have them fight. Even though I only have one,
0: I'm implying that I have two. You have two Roombas and you, you, you put them in a competition? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is your house uh, like a gladiatorial pit?
1: Yeah, fictionally, yes. (laughs) And so we have the unfinished basement, and it's got, uh, we got a big lego coliseum all constructed down there with little lego people cheering them on oh nice and they fight
2: you can buy that for like 700 dollars if you want almost as much as a Roomba yeah I imagine a Roomba is a lot less than that really isn't a Roomba like 200 bucks how cheap are Roombas I don't know
1: I don't have a Roomba <laughs>
2: I
0: thought you had a Roomba oh wait a minute I thought you had a Roomba I could have sworn you've told me that you have a robot that cleans your house.
1: Yeah, as I said, just, I mean, play the the tape back. Tom doesn't listen to you. Yeah, Tom doesn't listen to me. Tom doesn't listen. Well, in the edit, Tom can play the tape back and he can hear me say, I don't have a Roomba. I have another robot vacuum. But you're using Roomba as like the,
2: the brand name like you
1: would use for a Kleenex.
0: It's like, you know, the Midwesterners who call, you know, soda like Coke for some reason.
2: Yeah, he gave that example with Kleenex. Yeah. Yeah. This is going
1: to be a wild episode.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you can buy Roombas that are both more expensive and less expensive than the Lego Coliseum. So everyone's right. Okay, great. You can buy them for $200 up to, well, this is starting at $1,100. I don't know what goes beyond that.
0: All right. So Zach, does your wannabe Roomba, when it fills up, does it like have a programming thing where it like automatically dumps all of its gunk and then just keeps going? I don't mean like on the floor. I mean, like, does it have like a designated, like, trash, like, repository for the gunk? So then it can, like, just keep going without you having to manage it.
1: Uh, there's a episode of Futurama where Fry gets trapped in a, a prison. I'm like a caged animal just letting my feet fall where it may. And Leela goes, Fry, animals go in the corner. So that's what you reminded me of. Uh, <laughs> no, my, my not a Roomba doesn't poop randomly no. or in designated <laughs> locations.
0: So you have to empty it yourself. That's what I'm trying to get at.
1: Like a heathen. Like, yeah. When you clean the vacuum cleaner, do you then become the vacuum cleaner?
2: Ooh. Uh, uh, that's a good Aristotelian quote. Yeah. Aristotle said that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did
0: Aristotle say that. <laughs> yeah.
2: They had Roombas back then. I'm
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: still trying to figure out how there could be such range from $200 to $1,100. How can this Roomba be that much better? I don't know, man. Oh, it says advanced technology. Now I understand.
1: Yeah. The $200 one is what
2: Aristotle had. Makes sense. They've improved since then. So how quickly did the wannabe Roomba,
0: like, how does, how quickly does it fill up? Like, how often do you need to change it? Like, every day, every week, every hour?
1: The, uh... The charging station is in my wife's uh, office and so she's responsible for cleaning it. So I don't have an answer for you. I'm sorry.
0: Well, this has been a productive conversation.
2: Yeah, why are we talking about this? I have no idea, man. Because David, you
0: said lead off with an interesting story. This is what I came up with. All right. I. This is the least prepared I've ever been for an episode and I'm allowed that. I've thrown so many topics at you guys.
1: <laughs> I'm not even convinced that David did any preparation. I think he just wanted to use the excuse that we had to come up with the intro topic um, because he came up with the main topic but you've done no preparation for the main topic per usual
2: i think those can be mutually exclusive points i could have done no preparation and it's still your responsibility to do the intro we're not logisticians you're a programmer isn't that job all about like booleans and things booleans and things Yes. So you are a logistician. I put all the ones in the
1: right place and all
2: the zeros in the right place. You write in machine language? That seems onerous.
1: Yeah, I've I've got a little magnetic needle and I've got the hard drive open and I just make sure all the ones are ones and all the zeros are zeros.
2: Well, you do actually have to be careful with that because what is it? The particle. Is it photons? No. Maybe? Hmm? For what? That go through everything. New. Neutrinos?
0: Yeah, neutrinos go through everything. Yeah,
2: neutrinos that go through everything and occasionally can flip zeros and ones. Yeah, was that a, is that a bit? Is that right? Is that yeah, term, right? a bit. Yeah, uh, can occasionally flip bits, and most of the time it doesn't matter, but it's like happening all the time. Uh, but occasionally it does matter, and the most notorious example that I'm aware of is some I want to say Central Europe European country. I don't remember which country had an election. That was off by a very specific number in binary, like 4026 or whatever the, the number in binary is around that range. Right. And so they looked at it like, well, that's clearly just a zero and one flipped. And the, the best explanation is that a neutrino or some, if that's not the right particle. Cosmic ray. Yeah, cosmic ray hit the bit and flipped it. Suddenly I'm having deja
0: vu. Have we talked about this on the podcast before?
2: Did we talk about this?
1: David, you have to listen to all the episodes again to see whether or not we've talked about
2: we it. We can ask my sister-in-law. She'll know better than we will.
0: Oh, no. It, it, maybe I was just thinking of watching Veritasium. Yeah. Maybe we didn't talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry.
1: Continue. You can come back with next week, whether we've talked about this or not.
2: Uh. Well, that'll be a month. And by then I'll have forgotten what we talked about. I already have. We're like goldfish. What? 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 So who wants to give money to Notre Dame? Notre Dame. A lot of people want to give money to Notre Dame. They have a lot of money.
0: Yeah, you would you you actually have some connections over there, don't you?
2: Yeah, we're not talking about that part of it though. Okay,
0: okay. <laughs> I was
1: I, I've tried to smooth transition into other topics so many times and i I've, I've been lambasted by my other hosts about my smooth transitions. And so I tried a
2: hard
0: transition. Sometimes
2: you're just right now.
0: Sometimes you're too smooth and we need a we need to break it up for the audience. They just like, they can't keep up.
2: Yeah. This allows for the jingle
0: jingle.
1: Right. And and now I tried a hard transition and you, I just got shut down immediately.
2: Well, you did say the name of the cathedral that this podcast is about wrong. So <laughs>
1: <sighs> <laughs> I say everything wrong. Notre Dame. Nope.
0: Not quite. Notre Dame. I mean, again, even I don't really fully say it right. I mean, there's it's like Notre... I can't see... It's, there's actually like a hard... There's an R in there that's very hard to pronounce for us Americans. But the, I think, general approved pronunciation for that cathedral is Notre Dame in American English. But again, if you have any French speakers out there, they can do a far more elaborate R sound that I cannot produce very well yet.
1: Did anyone think I was talking about the university?
2: Uh, one twelfth of our listeners, yes. I don't think so. I can ask her. <laughs> <laughs> we have 12 listeners? That's a lot.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, it has been a long time since we actually talked about like our, our purpose and our goal of this podcast. So I, it is a good time to maybe bring up or broach that subject.
2: Exactly, yeah. So what I did want to talk about is what is the goal here? We are asking to donate money to a cathedral that had a catastrophic fire, and we, we all believe it should be rebuilt. But it does beg the question, that's a very expensive proposition. What you cited at some point, multiple billion, 10 billion, something like that? Is that what you were thinking, Tom?
0: Oh, I I don't think I've thrown out any number. I think they initially needed a billion, but now I think they're predicting at least several billion to probably do the whole job. I haven't heard the latest number, though.
2: Right. So that's a chunk of change. And it does beg the question of, there are other things you could do with that money, too. Mm. There are... David, you're not coming up with any good ideas,
0: David. There's only one good idea what to do with this money.
2: Tom is, uh, I'm trying to be very sincere here, and Tom is not even willing to entertain the thought (laughs) that there might be other good uses of money rather than donating to Notre Dame.
1: Tom is like three margaritas in.
0: (laughs) This is water, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) With a lot of ice. You know how I operate. David's tried to have this conversation at least one other time on the podcast, and that was the time where I was just like, nope, we're not going to talk about that. Snip, snip, beep.
2: <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes, he did.
0: I'll own up to it.
2: So, you know, there's lots of other good causes in the world and, and causes that are arguably more human livelihood centric in terms of protecting health or social services or, or, or things that uh, people need to live. And uh, I think those causes are all very worthy too, yet I am still also comfortable with the thought of asking people to donate money for something more cultural like Notre Dame. So I wanted to dive into what is the role of a cultural symbol like Notre Dame? Why is it deserving of money compared to so many other causes out there?
0: Well. I think maybe for the trajectory of this particular conversation, we should approach it from a very mundane level first, then slowly work our way up to a sort of a higher level of philosophy over values. So rather than go too high too quickly, maybe we could start with some practical things. So maybe like the first thing I'll say here is... People come up with all sorts of random things to raise money all the time, right? If you find any topic out there, you will find people trying to raise money for it. So Notre Dame is at least just as deserving of people who want to raise money for their local library or people who want to raise money... For their local baseball team, or people who want to raise money for their newspaper, or you know, there's lots of things that people are always raising, you know, some kind of funding for. So um, this is just the general trend for how our modern age works right now. I'd say
1: all the examples that you gave were local things.
2: Yeah, I was noticing that too.
0: Mm.
1: Local library, local sports team. That's true. That's true. For a lot of us, we don't live in France.
0: Yeah. Well, and that was that was just going with the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah.
1: So it's a it's a distant topic for me. I have never been to France. If there are issues local to me, why why would I prioritize a another country's religious monument over something local to me?
2: Well, I don't mean to just make it sound like we're putting that all on Tom. So, and uh, just asking him the the hard question. So I'll, mm. I'll take a stab at. Uh, uh, answering how Zach is framing it too. You know, I think there is a value in global monuments. They are a symbol of collective history, and they're part of something that is bigger than yourself, Yeah, that you're donating to something bigger than yourself. There's not much better an example than a cathedral if you really dive into that deeply, because, you know, we talked about how a cathedral takes hundreds of years to build Yep, historically uh so that's multiple generations that's not one person's vision when you go into the space you are struck by how small you are in comparison to the human ingenuity that went into it so i think there is an element of the larger international context global context of of uh it was a global event mm. when uh, uh, Notre Dame burned. It was on CNN for four hours straight, if I remember correctly.
0: It felt longer than that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Th- um, Obviously,
0: I think it was eight or nine hours of air. But I was
2: just. Uh, yeah, I think the the, yeah. the most terrifying part, I think, was like the first four. Or maybe that's yeah. just the period I was at work.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was on all day.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think the world watched. And so the world is responding.
0: Yeah.
1: Would you put it in the same sort of category as raising funds for, like, the monument at 9-11, World Trade Center, Ground Zero?
0: Well, putting aside that, of course, one was a terrorist attack and one was an accidental fire, putting that to the side for the moment, um, I think what I still find, at least for us, quite different is that Notre Dame, like you said, is far away. It is something that is for a long time has stoked my passions for architecture and cathedrals and again just being my favorite building and i think there i think there is something to that distance actually that makes it more romantic somehow i feel that when it's something far away um i feel more inspired i guess to feel like I am engaging with something that is completely out of my own world.
2: I would, I would take that far away in both miles but also time mm. because a building that is 800-ish years old is further back in time and that that is an extra level of wanting to preserve that like you know we talk about the natural cathedral because it's it's where we live Mm. or it's both closer and much more recent of a building the natural cathedral had its own not quite as catastrophic but uh mini disaster mini disaster with an earthquake i think 10 years ago at this point, yeah, it's 2011, right?
0: Yeah, you're right, I guess it was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm.
2: 10 years ago. Um, And we didn't start a podcast about that, now granted different parts of our, our, our lives and all that, but... Uh, no,
0: back then I was still a nerd playing good old World Warcraft, so it was a little bit of a different
2: age. You You you're, you're, Well, your first Notre Dame was 2011.
0: You're right, it is. Yeah. Huh. Well, you're Minecraft. right, I had forgotten it, that those two did. It's funny, those two things do not seem to coincide, but I guess you're right, they do.
2: You might have been literally working on it when the the earthquake happened that day. Well,
0: no, that's not true. I was in the classroom. Well, I know
2: you were at school. I mean that day.
0: No, I mean that whole day we were just trying to figure out you know, what had happened to the city because like nobody knew anything.
2: Okay. You were not playing Minecraft on the day of the, uh, of the earthquake. Oh, I apologize. Yeah.
0: I mean, okay. So you, we brought this up. On the day of the earthquake, I'm in my classroom. And again, this is the east coast of the United States. So... Uh, in the United States, you know, we have plenty of huge earthquakes more out west, but on the East Coast, anything gets pretty puny. What we had was a 5.8 on the Richter scale, which, again, pretty puny for the general scale, but for us was pretty shocking. And I was in my classroom on the second day of school, and then when the earthquake struck, uh, of course, I had never experienced an earthquake before, but somehow I instantly just knew exactly what it was. I was like, this is an earthquake. So I'm quite proud that I actually recognized right away what was going on. I
2: mean, the earth is quaking. It's... it's Yeah,
0: but I mean, I don't know. Explosions, terrorist attacks. I don't know. We live in DC, you know, maybe some big thing had happened with lots of shaking. I mean, it's, you know... We've also had the space shuttle on the 747 fly right past my classroom before when they deposited Discovery at the Smithsonian. So, you know, we've had some interesting things fly by my classroom before. But anyway, when the earthquake went off, I just started shouting, get under the tables, get under the tables. And again, since this is the second day of school, I didn't know anybody's names. Uh, So I was just like, hey, you, that person, get under there. Hey, what are you not getting? You know, I was like shouting. And meanwhile, nobody else knew what to do. We never had any earthquake training. And I heard reports later that a whole bunch of kids were just like, run out of the building as fast as you can, which I guess is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do during an earthquake. But uh, at the end of the day, we were all stuck on the field for, I think, a couple hours when we were just sort of waiting like, are we because after after the initial earthquake was over, we evacuated. Again, I'm not sure if that was what we were supposed to do or not, but we evacuated, and then after we went onto the field, we're all standing around outside, and we're like, is it safe to go back in? And we were all just sort of like, well, my car's in the garage, so we were all just sort of like, I remember the teachers were all like, you go in first, you go in (laughs) first. And then when I went in my classroom the next day, there was actually a big crack up one of the corner walls, so... Different buildings in the area took damage in addition to cathedral. It was an interesting time. Most of our buildings were not built to withstand earthquakes. I
2: mean, it's an interesting comparison to, to Notre Dame in that that suffered, I mean, the term is appropriate catastrophic damage. Earthquakes, I think, are catastrophes, I think, by definition, mm. um, on various scales. And it's been a decade. And, like, the construction is... Maybe almost not done. Like it's still ongoing. Um, they've, they've
0: oh yeah, we still. I don't even. I think they're technically halfway at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they made,
2: you know they've made a lot of progress, but they've got a long ways to go. But I. I would be surprised if Notre Dame moves that slowly.
0: Oh, no. They've already done so much more work than, I think, the cathedral here ever could move at the same pace. I mean, they just have so much more manpower and so much more funding.
2: So much more funding. It's just a whole different scale. Now we're bringing it back. Oh, sure. Notre Dame is special for some reason, and I'm trying to figure out what that is.
0: Well, I mean, I'll refer you to the first episode when we ascertained Okay, not you, not you. (laughs) Zach, Zach, why is it special? Um,
2: um,
1: I'm not the right person to ask about this. It's special because people believe it's special.
2: Uh, that's what, I don't care necessarily about whether you think it's special or not. I'm, I'm curious why you think, why is it different? Why is it a valuable use of money? And if you think it's not, you could say that, but that'll make for an interesting episode.
1: <laughs> oh God. No, I think it is a valuable use of money. It's certainly a valuable use of my time, right? My time is, I feel like, worth a lot more than uh, just a donation to the cathedral. Uh, and I'd spend a lot of time. Zach doesn't
0: mind case. continuing the podcast and pledging twenty thousand dollars. Go, Zach. You can be our number one contributor. Yeah, no. <laughs> um Well, all right, how about one dollar for every minute you spend recording? What? <laughs> 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 bad in
2: bad incentive structure. <laughs>
1: anyway, I, I think it is I think it's worth my time. I think it's worth my money, but I think a lot of things are. Um I don't feel weird about spending my money on coffee and also spending my money on charities like i can do both at the same time and your question is like why one charity versus another charity i'm obviously not donating to every single charity in the world why am i discriminating uh between charities and so like I'll donate to NPR, I'll donate to PBS, I'll donate to Doctors Without Borders, I'll donate to Friends of Notre Dame. Why am I not donating to, like, the Sierra Club? I'm sorry, Sierra Club, if you're listening, I don't donate to you, but it's not because I don't like you, I do like you. So your question is, why do I choose to donate to a cathedral, even though I'm not a religious person and I'm not a French person, and I don't donate to the Sierra Club, even though I live out in the Rocky West? Because... It's important to my friends, and what's important to them because they're my friends is important to me. I don't care too much about the building itself unlike Tom, uh, but I, Tom is important to me, and so the things that are important to Tom are important to me. Oh, uh, I do care about the outdoors. But I don't need to donate to the CR Club specifically in order to protect the outdoors.
2: I think what you're getting at in terms of there are multiple places you can you spend your money and in, It's incredibly hard, if not impossible, to some extent to truly rank them. It makes me think of uh, actually War and Peace. Um, there's uh, a character in there who is trying to figure out the meaning of life, more or less, throughout the entire book. And he's very wealthy. And at some point, the stage of life that he is in, he's just donating all of his money. Like he, he is so indecisive in knowing what is a good thing to donate to and what is a bad thing that he just donates to say anything and everything. And. It's interesting because when I first read that, like, well, that, you know, that sounds like a a, a reasonable philosophy, but it's clearly not the author's view that that is the correct thing to do because he's being indecisive and indeterminate and, and, uh, he needs to become a more decisive character. That's kind of his trajectory. And so by the end, there's a scene where like someone begs him for money and he doesn't give it. And clearly the, the author from my reading, was trying to say like he's finally found himself. But I always found that very strange uh, because that sounds the opposite of the sort of morality that I'm used to. And because I recognize in myself the struggle that he was facing before. Frankly, for many years of my life, I've I've lived in a fairly well-off position and I have not donated as much money to charities I should. And part of that has frankly been a... Concern over, well, maybe I'm not donating it as effectively as I could. And that is a crutch and it's been a horrible one because it has resulted in me just not donating in the first place um, because I haven't verified like, well, this is how I really should spend my money um, or donate it.
0: That, so- that sounds like almost a similar argument to make to myself sometimes where like, why am I not reading more books? It's like, well, I should be doing more quality reading. So therefore I should save my reading for later. And in the end, the result is I just don't read books too much. Sure. I'm trying to overcome that, for the record. <laughs>
1: yeah, I wouldn't put yourself through any grief for doing the right thing or not doing enough of the right thing, um, especially since you identify that that's that's holding you back. It's I'm not telling you anything new, but I, I don't want to be individualistic about it when I say it's your money, right? You get you get to decide, but like I don't know if I would choose efficacy as the metric for where my charity money goes. And there are some tools out there that help you figure out, like, out of every dollar that I spend, how much of this charity is going towards their mission and how much of it's going to, like, administrative and overhead costs. So if you are interested in efficacy, there are tools out there that can help you.
2: There's even tools that are even farther than that, I think, give well. They... They rigorously investigate charities, like figure out the number of lives you will save for every dollar, and and rank charities that way or something.
1: Right, and I'm I'm though since those tools are out there, I'm I'm not actually advocating for anyone to use those right. because I don't think like if you were to use those tools and you were to look at cathedral reconstruction, it probably wouldn't show up anywhere on on that list. And so if we were to advocate for people to give their money where it's most effective, then you shouldn't give your money to a cathedral reconstruction based on that. And so my argument is not not because of that, but I don't think efficacy is why I personally donate. And I don't recommend efficacy for other people f- for why they should donate. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I see this particular question from sort of two points of view, sort of moving now into sort of higher philosoph- philosophical uh, perspective here, um, because there's, there's the question, why support this kind of cause in general? Like, why support a building that has nothing to do with saving lives, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the second part of the question, why this particular building, when there's lots of buildings that need funding, like the National Cathedral and more, which we may talk about in just a minute. Mm-hmm. For the first point, bullet point there, though, you know why, why this kind of cause in general, I think I have to always bring it back to being the teacher I am, because it, it all, again, comes down to passion and how humans work as far as passions go. Aside from the fact of Notre Dame being an incredible historic icon and its value just for its place in history, the ability to inspire passion in others is very important especially for young people i remember last year when i was virtually teaching for the whole school year it was of course a very difficult time to make connections with people online uh with my students it's way harder to get people to turn their cameras on and it's way harder to um really get to know people especially young people who are maybe taking your calculus class There was one student who, of course, I'll not mention by name here, but there was one student who was just mesmerized by architecture. And I I had so much fun striking up a dialogue about architecture with this student. And what I really enjoyed in particular was that this student was really into classical architecture with, again, the Greeks and the Romans. And this this person came out and told me right away, my favorite building's the Parthenon and I was like, "Oh, that's great. You know, let's let's talk about the Parthenon for a little bit." And so we talked about the Parthenon and I, expl- I I explained all the cool things about the Parthenon and we talked about the different kinds of capitals for columns, Doric, Ionic, and Corinthian and all that. But then of course, this was the opening for me to then start talking about other kinds of architecture, like Gothic architecture, and then oh, I,
2: really? You try to convert them? Hmm. Uh,
0: yes, I definitely did try to convert <laughs> them, and uh, I <laughs> think you I made some headway. I made some headway. Okay, okay. Uh, so I started to share with them a lot of the things that I had done in Minecraft, and this is again one of the reasons, also, is like why why are you doing this in Minecraft? You know why? You know if you're so into cathedrals and you want to know about you know their history and get accurate depictions of them. Minecraft is not the right way yeah. to get a great de- depiction of a, <laughs> of, a, of a true cathedral. There's far better things you can do with real 3D wireframes and laser scans and point clouds. But again, the special thing about Minecraft is so many people identify with it, uh, including so many of my students. I have tons of students right now who play Minecraft in high school. And it's so much fun to talk about. Yeah, I'm building Notre Dame right now in Minecraft and their lights just turn on. They're just, oh, this is so cool. And I've showed them some of the videos I've done and I show them how later on in calculus, you know, we're going to be learning more about integration and volumes and solids and how those concepts can then be translated into creating 3D structures in Minecraft like domes. Uh, How do you calculate, you know, the surface of a dome? try to kind of treating blocks like they're parts of a point cloud. You know, we're, we've are we talked about domes a little bit, but we'll get into the whole how do you make a dome in Minecraft in a future episode. But again, it's all about connection, right? And in the same kind of reason why why would I build this in Minecraft as opposed to learn how to just build it in some kind of architectural rendering program. Again, one, there's that connection you get with so many more people when you do it in a medium people identify with but also just the value of the building to have that ability to reach out to so many people. And uh, I believe that, you know, different things have different kinds of potential to make that happen. And Notre Dame's very much at the top of my list.
2: Your word connection there strikes a chord with me because I think that that's a, an almost nicer way of putting what I was saying in, in terms of the global context earlier, where it's, it's a cultural touchstone that a very sizable percentage of the world can identify. Mm. Um, I, w- I won't say all, certainly yeah, not all, but of not. Uh, but a a very large percentage, one of the larger percentages, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in, in terms of any structure or anything human made. Yeah, uh, and I do think the human made element of it matters. Yeah, um, because you know the Grand Canyon's beautiful too, and we want to preserve that. But that's that's pulling at an entirely other heartstring than something like a a, a human made cathedral. And so the connection that you say you can share in that, and if it was the building was to be lost, then obviously that's one less thing that a lot of the world has in common.
0: Yeah. And in such an age where we're so divided, the more things that we can be united around, the better.
2: That probably is that kind of gets to the second question that I, I wanted to get to and I think we kinda got to it there is what is the value of Of cultural landmarks like that not just Mm. not just the question of why donate money to x y or z comparatively but what do (laughs) the broad question is what is the purpose of culture i guess why does culture matter (laughs) but more more specifically why do uh, since this is a structure-based podcast why do significant buildings matter culturally
1: i have a lot of thoughts on culture i'm I'm weird about it though, and I don't imagine that anyone will sympathize with me on my thoughts on culture. I actually get culture very little. Uh, I've done again,
0: I, I feel like you continually put yourself down in ways because you are a very cultured person, but carry on, carry on.
1: Well, you can say that, but I don't necessarily know what that means. So, like, the best that I can understand about culture is it's a suite of habits and traditions that you share with other people. Sure. All right. You know, as the monkeys that we are, like, habits and traditions are pretty important for a sense of stability, which is almost critical to a good, like, mental framework. Having a sense of stability is is sort of up there. And having a group of people that you share habits and traditions with can give you a greater sense of stability. Uh, and to allow you to grow i personally though am sort of an agent of chaos and much less an agent of stability so i don't really gravitate towards that mentality personally and so that's about to say
2: how how are you how are we not going to be sympathetic with this and now i see we're getting to it Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) so like the 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 problem in my mind of having all of these cultural artifacts linger is that At some point, they become not so much uh, an anchor in a positive sense that like an anchor for a ship will keep you in the bay when there's rough waters. And so Mm -hmm. an anchor traditionally is a symbol for safety and stability. But there's another way of thinking about anchors which is that they prevent you from moving, which is, you know, part of what an anchor does. Mm -hmm. But if what you're trying to do is move, an anchor is counterproductive to that. And so there's a weight of culture that presses down on society and it prevents you from moving. And I am not going to advocate for the destruction of a cathedral. But that cathedral was built and it became a cultural touchstone. Having that cathedral and putting your money into it may prevent, in some capacity, someone from creating a new cultural touchstone that will have the same sort of impact.
2: Yeah. No, that's a very interesting point. Uh, that actually, remind me, I know we talked about this long ago, like early episode. What was your opinion on um, the different roof proposals for Notre Dame before they decided to just go back to more or less as it was before? Um, I don't remember your opinion then. Were you more open to the more quote-unquote quote, radical designs?
1: I mean, I wasn't for the bronze Simulacrum of the fire itself. <laughs> oh gosh. Like okay, was, I do remember was, you talking about that one. Ugh. That was in poor taste to oh, be in the that list. That was in very
0: poor taste.
1: Uh there were others. But there were others. Like I'm I'm totally fine with so they, there's, there's that forest that grows yep. trees specifically for reconstruction in case of disaster. And they're utilizing in the construction those trees because they were grown for that purpose. Had those trees not existed, I would be fine with something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I advocate for the use of those trees because someone has to maintain them. So from like a labor perspective, like Someone put a lot of hard work and energy to to grow those, and they were grown with that purpose and maintained for that purpose. And so to not use them would be like a giant middle finger to the people who run that tree farm.
0: When you say somebody put a lot of hard work into growing those trees, I just like envision a druid just walking out there and (laughs) casting like this leafy tranquility spell like grow trees grow <laughs> yeah
1: I mean there's there's that extreme which I would really love if it were true but there's the other extreme <laughs> of like that's their business right like at, at the very least they put a lot of mental energy into it they don't actually have to be casting a spell
0: more like they put a lot of mental energy and we must wait until next year to chop these down and they kept saying that for a hundred years
2: yeah I
1: mean you're anyway
2: the <laughs> So, but what so, about more like the, the, like, not just talking about the materials, but like a complete redesign to move forward in the way you're
1: saying, but my, my point wasn't to ramble about construction materials. My point was that I'm in favor of those construction materials because they favor a living person currently in, engaged in, in the ecosystem of that building. It's not to satisfy the wishes of a dead duke or the wishes of like a dead abbot it's to benefit a a living person doing an active job and so had that person not existed i would favor a living architect's opinion about what the roof should look like and i personally don't have any weight given to them deferring to a dead architect they're, they're the architect. I want your opinion. If your opinion is do what the dead architect says, then, you know, fine. You're not adding too much value, but, you know, you're still doing what we paid you for, so I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. But if his, if their opinion was something other than what the dead architect wanted, I would still value that.
0: Yeah, I, I see what you're getting at there. Like, again, the, the design at Notre Dame that is being replicated to replicate the spire that burned down and to replicate some of the intricacies of the lead-paneled roof over the forest timbers. The architect that had probably the most influence on many of the things that they'll be replicating was Ville Leduc, who was the great restorer of Notre Dame in the era of like Victor Hugo post the French Revolution when Notre Dame was really run down and in danger of being just trashed altogether. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting question. Why, why just replicate, again, a dead guy's work as opposed to have fresh blood go into it? Um, I mean, I, I think I've already voiced this opinion to some extent, but we have plenty of space— in all of our major cities, for new stuff to go up all the time. New architects, new materials, new ideas, new spaces to build things. We're certainly not in danger of running out of lots to build things uh, in new places, really, anytime soon. We're always knocking stuff down and building new things. Having these cultural touchstones like Notre Dame, as many as they are around the globe, they still seem rather rare. I think the rarity of something as special as a Gothic cathedral, there are so few of them. I mean, even in France, which is, known for its gothic architecture, there's just a handful of maybe a dozen at most really famous cathedrals that, you know, m- make most of the textbooks. And, you know, that's not that much in terms of what we're saving as opposed to how much is being birthed anew.
1: Yeah. And so I think there's space for both opinions, right? And which is why I have absolutely right. no problem donating money to, to restore an old building, right? Yeah. It's just that I am not personally super sympathetic to the idea of keeping old things around just because they're old.
0: Well, one of my favorite stories that I've actually just heard recently um, on yet another documentary that I was watching uh, sometime recently about the Notre Dame restoration was, you know, people were interested. Well, people were concerned and interested, you know, out of all the buildings that could have had such a catastrophic fire, why was it Notre Dame? Why was, you know, at this age, at this point in time, one of these most famous buildings on earth to truly just set itself on fire like that? Why was it such this most famous building ever? And an interesting perspective I heard to that question was, Notre Dame is almost kind of like it's, to some extent, sacrificed itself to bring a new profound passion for the preservation of many of these cultural landmarks. An interesting anecdote I heard was, I think I've already mentioned how Notre Dame was lucky in that they had many laser scans taken of its interior and exterior before the fire because so many people were already really passionate about it. In particular, one researcher named Andrew Tallon had done extensive laser scans of Notre Dame as like a new budding technology because he was super passionate at loving Notre Dame and wanting to document it and research it and preserve it. After the fire happened and the whole world stopped to watch this tragic event unfold, I have now learned that the number of laser scans that are now being conducted across France and really across the world is skyrocketing. That this event that happened at Notre Dame has made everybody say, we value these public works of art and we want to save them for posterity. And Notre Dame has shown us the value in this new kind of preservation. And so I just found this a very interesting anecdote that, you know, it's kind of almost like Notre Dame to some extent sacrificed itself for the betterment of the whole world of architecture. Zach's making lots of weird faces at me.
1: Yeah, I think you were a little <laughs> bit too poetic with the sacrifice, probably, because it's not a sentient entity.
0: <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> it didn't burn
1: for a, a purpose for for an extant purpose. Yeah, but humans can turn it
2: into a purpose. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I, I think if you're gonna sacrifice, like, you have to make the choice. Someone doesn't have you sacrifice for them. I
2: was
0: throwing in a little personification, Zach. It was an unintentional. I'm allowed to do a little personification. You are, but you <laughs> called my, <laughs> you called out my face. I, w- I went too far. I can't. I went too far. Is you unin- if I asked
1: me why I was making that face, and I told you, you, I wasn't gonna say anything unless I was called out. Is unintentional <laughs> sacrifice an oxymoron? That's what I was trying to say. Right? Is that like that doesn't make sense the the cathedral didn't sacrifice itself for other people to do laser scans like no one it was it wasn't like oh man i'm looking at all these other cultural monuments around here and they're all falling into disrepair. But this one guy did a laser scan of me uh, and I think that was a great idea. I'm going to set myself on fire to galvanize all these other art historians to do the same thing.
2: I mean, I guess we, we don't know the motivation of that guy who uh, ran up the stairs once, didn't see a fire and ran back down. I don't know, maybe there's ulterior motives there. But it wasn't the building.
0: Wait, didn't we establish in episode one that David has a greater than 0% chance of being the arcs?
2: <laughs> Of Notre
0: Dame.
2: <laughs> <laughs> greater than zero. To to going back a, a little ways to Zach's point on the stability versus the need to allow culture to move on. You know, I as in all things. You know, I think the balance between the two is. I like the. I I like your description of both extremes there, and I support a balance uh, between the two. And I would put Tom on the end of being the extreme of maximum preservation and Zach on the extreme of maximum change and, and moving on. And so I'll just sit here happy in the middle. <laughs>
0: that's fine.
1: I, I Yeah, I, I think that's, that's reasonable. But in my own defense, I'm not unsympathetic. I know you're to, not. I know you're not. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying that I, I like to surround myself with people who have different opinions than myself as well. And... Being someone who isn't a traditionalist, I like to surround myself with people like Tom Mm -hmm. who are, in some regards, traditionalists. And so I at least have that that mindset around, even if it's difficult for me to to sympathize with it directly, it's easier for me to sympathize with Tom than it is for me to to sympathize with the abstract idea.
2: Yeah. Mm. So I, you know, I think this leads back to, normally we put the, the, the call to, to raise money at the end, um, but since it's appropriate to the conversation here, I thought it'd be good to to put the plug in the middle and to do it live, not just the pre-recorded segment as it usually is. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think we came to any firm conclusions here, nor, I, nor do I think... Nor were you expecting to. Yeah. I don't think you necessarily can. It is so much in each to their own person, but I hope hearing the three of us go on a bit about why this matters to us for whatever our personal reasons is useful to some extent and so um you know the three of us have committed to to helping to raise some money for the restoration of notre dame um tom has done a great job of uh getting us in contact with friends of notre dame which is is that a u.s based organization or is it French. Uh,
0: I think it's an international organization, but they do a ton of work in the U.S. I think.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we've each donated our own money uh, to that. Uh, Zach has confirmed that here. I wasn't sure if that was true until he said it here. Uh, uh, and now well, I, I said got... my
1: time was more valuable than my money. I haven't confirmed anything.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> if if uh,
1: I said anything in the past, then that may have been a slip of the tongue. <laughs> uh,
2: well. Uh, I got nice cards from them. Uh, they, yeah. they, they gave a nice little yeah. packet of Notre Dame cards, that greeting cards that you can then give out. Yeah, I got those too. They're nice. I got a nice uh, official friend of Notre Dame card. Card.
0: Yep, I got that too. It's in my wallet.
2: Wasn't there something else? That, of course it's in your wallet. Of course.
1: I get so much mailings from all these different charities all over the, the spectrum. I have a small
2: mailbox. Oh, look at you. All these charities. <laughs>
1: and like half of it is like coupons for supermarkets. And like the other half of it is like, hey,
2: donate some money to us. And like, ah. Well, so what's nice about the Notre Dame, uh, Friends of Notre Dame, is it's not just, I mean, of course it is. They're asking for more money. But like they actually sent very nice, like a set of like 10 greeting cards that are blank on the inside, but with very pretty pictures of Notre Dame on the outside. Like that's yeah. a useful thing for them to have sent. Yeah. Um, I hope it equaled the amount of money I gave them. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but here's the reason. Uh, here's the segue into donating.
0: Well, actually I, I have
2: one more bullet point. Go for it.
0: And that, um, you know, I talked about, you know, why support this kind of cause in general, but I think also I wanted to talk more about my second bullet point of, why this building and sure. why not other buildings of course like we mentioned Washington National Cathedral had the earthquake has had a lot of damage and has been sitting for 10 years unfinished in terms of its own restoration also interestingly enough lots of grand cathedrals even really famous ones which you would think would be totally fine on their you know their money have been struggling uh, especially during the pandemic when so many of them and their operating budgets which have largely been based on tourism have been slashed during the pandemic when there just haven't been tourists or they haven't been allowed to have tourists. St. Paul's Cathedral in London, I remember reading an article just a couple months ago talking about how they're in pretty dire financial straits, which is surprising considering that is saint paul's cathedral in the heart of london right if saint paul's cathedral is having financial hardships right now clearly probably all of them are because if that's the most famous one in england then probably every cathedral in england's having really hard times trying to maintain just operations let alone you know perform you know basic serviceable repairs and uh you know maintenance to keep themselves afloat uh so again why just notre dame well for starters, of course, there's the again the pragmatic answer. Notre Dame was the theme of a the podcast. That's how we've started off, and I think for at least the time being, I think it's nice to have a singular focus to focus on uh, one building. Yeah. And again, the fire caught a lot of attention, of course, and people identify very viscerally with you know catastrophes. Having watched that fire, uh, it, it it builds lots of publicity, and so I think we ha- we'll have generally more success at first. But eventually, one day, I think we may very, well, you know, branch out a bit, and we can try to raise some more money for some of these other cathedrals that are also struggling. And again, like St. Paul's, Washington National Cathedral, and not even necessarily just cathedrals, but other cultural works of art. You know, if we can find more ways to support those. But first, we need more listeners and more donors. So, uh, with that, hopefully, you feel inspired, folks.
2: And where can they donate?
0: Oh, right. So if you go to our website, uh, which is cathedraltalk.fm, we have a button for uh, support Friends of Notre Dame. And if you, again, click that link that'll take you to Friends of Notre Dame's donation page. And in this case, we have a setup with Friends of Notre Dame where if you donate through this link through our website, it will then generate data for us so that we know you will have donated on the behalf of our podcast. So we will know that our podcast has been reaching out and that we are succeeding, which will then motivate us to make more episodes. If you enjoy listening to us blather on about, you know, all the shenanigans we usually do, Uh, hopefully you will continue to inspire us by occasionally making a nice little $5 donation or even more. So that would be
2: terrific. And that's why we're asking all of you to contribute only the low price of 50... There's an episode we put out to Notre Dame. Every single one of you, we can do it.